today on the wrestling podcast about nothing are you ready we're talking wrestling factions the awesome and the awful we've got that for you plus a classic promo about nothing and so much more but first tell them george i think i can sum up the show for you with one word nothing Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 188, production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And not joining me as always, a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars, real lot of wrestler, for the moment anyway, the brawler Brian Malonis. He is not here. Also, not joining me, the head trainer of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, the owner, broker, promoter of Chaotic Wrestling, the firebrand Brian Fury. It is just me. Mike Crockett, your humble host here, because uh, it's basically a holiday week with Thanksgiving being this past Thursday. And on top of that, uh, I don't know if Brian Malonis acknowledged this on uh, an episode a couple weeks back, but he purchased a home. He's he he's a big boy now. He bought a house, so he got back from Disney. Yes, he is back from Disney World, his 10-day odyssey in the Orlando, Florida, and he moved right into signing papers and getting his key to his brand new home. So he is uh, moving and unpacking and trying to figure out what he's going to put in this uh, huge palatial estate that he's got for himself. So that's uh, another reason why we couldn't get the gang together for this week's edition of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. But we have some great content for you, as always. We did these shows a couple years back. Me and Brian Malonis, the original duo, the the WPAN Originals, did BDA Radio exclusive podcasts. Every Thursday, we did two podcasts a week. And on Thursdays, we looked at the best and worst of certain things. And you're going to hear it right here this week on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing because not so many people did back then. So take a listen because we're talking about the best and worst wrestling factions in history. Great subject. Plenty to talk about. Uh, Some very controversial picks both ways. So let's not delay any further. Let's get you right into it right here as Brian Malonis and I spoke back Way back in the year 2017. Favorite wrestling faction. And Brian, uh, you are an independent wrestling veteran and you are a veteran of a few factions in your day. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, well, one or two or six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, Mike, I was a member of the Brotherhood. Uh, you were? <laughs> not, not quite the incarnation that you uh, probably remember well, but yeah, yes, I was. Me and the Playboy. So uh, we will deem you an expert in the uh, in the way of wrestling factions. I guess we're both kind of part of a historic faction, Mike. Which one's that? We're both druids. Ah, uh, okay. 
that's uh, that's teetering on the border there of uh, being a faction. But I'll, okay, I'll give that one hey, to you. Hey, just roll with it. We can get conventions. <laughs> We're still trying to get booked. Still trying to get booked. Eventually, it'll happen. We've been doing this since like episode four or five of the uh, proper podcast, and it hasn't happened yet. But it's sure to happen any day now, Brian. I'm expecting us to be, you know, one of these big signings at some point here. I'm, I sure hope so. We need the cash. Uh, so, Brian, favorite wrestling factions. This covers the entire span of wrestling, the 80s, the 90s, today. There's plenty of them. We, we have our number one picks in mind, I think. But um, give me a wrestling faction that uh, was particularly pleasing to you. Was I'll give you one that is currently particularly pleasing to me, Mike. All right. I, I, I'm a little biased here. Okay. The New Day. <laughs> I see. Okay. I think they're. I think they're very pleasing. I think they're very entertaining and uh, have have made something out of nothing. I'd I'd say. Wait, are you sure about this? You said NAT that begins with New is is terrible. Oh, uh, now you're playing your semantics. <laughs> you know exactly what I meant. Last week or two <laughs> weeks ago, I should say, right? Episode twenty three. You said any so team that begins off, with New is awful. I was, of course, referring to, like, if there was just a faction called The Day, and then this was a new version of it, then yes, it would, it would stink. But <laughs> they, are, they are the originals, the original New Day. Well, thank you, Randall Keogh on Twitter for uh, pointing that out originally. <laughs> but yeah, the New Day, quite a, quite a faction, as you said, um, you know, coming in, uh, or limping in, I should say, to uh, the <laughs> WWE and kind of turning it all around and uh, becoming a pretty big act. How about you? Who do you who do you like, Mike? Anybody okay. current? Um, do you even watch the current products? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there, Brian. Let's not even go there, okay? But uh, all right, current. How about not in WWE? The Bullet Club. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a uh, the, probably the most popular faction on the planet right now. Right, right, exactly. They're in every hot topic in the country, which is a pretty big deal for an independent, uh, not, not a non-WWE entity. To be in a chain store nationally is a huge deal. And the Bullet Club, you know, they've gone through a number of incarnations. Of course, uh, Fergal Devitt, uh, Prince Devitt, the original leader of the Bullet Club. And then you have your AJ Styles. And now Kenny Omega is kind of in that role of the leader of the Bullet Club. And there have been uh, a bunch of members. I think maybe at times it has teetered on uh, the NWO uh, expansion of uh, the dying days of WCW. But uh, the Bullet Club is still um, very, very popular. If you look, uh, I know this past Monday on the NAI Network, you reviewed uh, the G1 special in the USA, night one. And just the amount of Bullet Club t-shirts in that crowd was uh was amazing it was how about just being in you i mean you were in attendance for the tv tapings of ring of honor and lowell and then i was in attendance for the pay-per-view as well and i i think two-thirds of the people there had some form of a bullet club shirt on whether it be the original bullet club shirt or a kenny omega or a young bucks version or a cody rhodes version or here's the big question mike yes i'm around ring of honor now Yes, you are. Do you think I can weasel my way into the Bullet Club somehow? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, a, a coup for, for Brian Malone's and for the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. 
the new yeah the the new Japan version has Bad Luck Fale who who is like the, their enforcer. Yeah. Who's the enforcer of of the of the Ring of Honor version of the Bullet Club? I think I think they could use a big fella. Yeah, the executioner. <laughs> Brian Malonis. Hey, whatever gets me in the Bullet Club, man. <laughs> Do I get merchandise sales? <laughs> yeah, throw that up a flagpole, bro. Talk to your contacts in Ring of Honor so you can make yeah. that happen. Hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna aim, aim high, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, the Bullet Club we've covered. What about uh, what else do you think, Brian? Ah, uh, one um, I, I thought that was was very good. Um, fairly recent in WWE. Um, fair, well, I say fairly. I don't know. Jeez, might be might be a good six eight years old at this point. But the Straight Edge Society. I thought this was this was great. CM Punk um, with with um, Jesus uh, Luke, Luke Gallows. Gallows like, yes, and uh, Serena. Right? Was that the young lady's name? Yes, she uh, she shaved her head. To show her allegiance to and the uh, Joey Mercury, I believe, for a time as well. He was there, yeah, for a little bit, yeah. But it was very just. I thought it was. I thought it was very well done. It was very creative. Punk being uh, a cult-like figure, of course, he had like the long hair. He was very Charlie Manson-like. Yeah, uh, I think in his look at that point and the ceremonial shaving of the head uh, to pledge allegiance, and I thought it was really, uh, really entertaining, really compelling, compelling stuff. What, what are your thoughts? At that time, yeah, it was probably one of the most uh, entertaining things going today. Of course, CM Punk, I mean, turned just about anything into gold because it seems like he had a lot of leeway on the microphone. And, I mean, we've talked about it. Everyone's talked about it. You you give these guys the opportunity to speak for themselves, to not, uh, you know, read something off of the page. And it, it they bring it to life, and it just feels it feels real. It feels more organic. This... You know, the stuff reading a script, it just doesn't feel the same way as, you know, speaking from your heart, speaking from your own mind. And that's what it seemed like CM Punk did. So everything he did kind of at that time or over the course of his time in WWE, just it had that authentic feel to it. And uh, the straight edge society, of course, he's a straight edge guy, no drinking, no drugs. That's kind of what CM Punk's all about. And it kind of, uh, you know, it trickled down to the people in his faction, the straight edge, straight edge society. And of course, CM Punk also, uh, for a time, I guess this is in the dying days of this faction was the leader of the Nexus. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was one of the, uh, he was the leader at one point, but the Nexus, when they first debuted that, uh, the ending of that episode of raw, where all these guys from the first season of the NXT, you know, the the when NXT was the competition show, when they all showed up on Raw, you know, uh, our buddy Darren Young and uh, Daniel Bryan and a bunch of others, they all uh, Ryback, um, Wade Barrett, uh, Heath Heath Slater. Oh, no, 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 it was not Ryback. Mike, come on. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> what it do, right? Is that, is that <laughs> like Skip Sheffield. I'm sorry. I apologize for that slip up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Nexus, the, the way they just tore apart the ring, uh, you know, tore apart the set. Of course, Daniel Bryan famously choking out Justin Roberts and uh, getting relieved Fired? of his duties. Yes, <laughs> uh, because that was not allowed, uh, even though, you know, no one let him know that. 
but uh, that debut, I, the Nexus didn't have the staying power when they, it was a SummerSlam, I believe, where John Cena's team versus Nexus and John Cena's team just won outright. It really kind of killed the momentum in my eyes of the Nexus and they never really got any higher than that first night they peaked with their debut which is kind of uh which is kind of sad but the nexus when they first came in there was something else well yeah one of the coolest things i think they've done on wwe tv in a long time i i mean i it, it was so well done so crazy and unpredictable you, you talk about the things that may be missing from tv now and something like that something like unpredictable happening that like the things that make you stop and say whoa what the like what the hell is this you know and that's definitely one of those was one of those moments the the nexus debut uh what do you get what else do you got brian for favorite factions as we lead into our number one picks here Yes, well, I, I will say um, I've never been a, a a big Bret Hart fan, but I did enjoy um, the Hart Foundation with uh, with him and the Anvil and Bulldog and Owen and Brian Pillman. I always thought that was that made for some uh, some great TV and really, you know, was pretty pretty vital in the kicking off of the of the Attitude Era. Yeah, I mean, and the people that they, uh, you know, waged war with, which was uh, Triple H, Shawn Michaels in China, the original D-Generation X, uh, of course, a a great faction that uh, kind of went up head-to-head against the Hart Foundation for a time. Uh, DX, you got to put up there. I mean, I know the NWO came first, but uh, some of the stuff that they had DX doing was just... Uh, revolutionary it was you know most of it juvenile but (laughs) revolutionary for what they're able to get on tv at the time and of course the invasion of the wcw when they were in virginia was uh something that will always be remembered i think when it comes to dx mike do you have any do you have any guilty pleasures though like things you know weren't good but you liked it. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. Um, how about the Mean Street Posse? <laughs> how about you, it? You read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Those first vignettes when it was just uh, Shane. It was like you know just basically like dumb documentary style where Shane and his buddies were talking about how Shane is like you know the the king of the street fighting and all this other stuff. And you know all of his buddies are building them up like Pete Gas and Rodney and a couple others just and. Then they debut and they start. They get their uh, sweater vests and they start getting in the ring and being a part of it. It was just ridiculous, but uh, I don't know. There was something, uh, something I just liked about it. I'm right there with you. I, I, that's exactly where my mind went to. The other one I was kind of thinking of was the Mexicals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really enjoy. I really thought it was funny stuff. To you know, they just kind of made light of the stereotypes, and I, I thought it was entertaining as hell, man. I thought it was, I thought it was really good stuff. Uh, and ironically, as told in one of our episodes, uh, myself and Warbeard Hansen were there for the beginning of uh, the demise of the Mexicals, or at least for one of the Mexicals. Uh, you can go back in the archives and listen, right, Mike? Yes, you've definitely uh, spoken about that before at length with uh, <laughs> Juventud Guerrero. A little spoiler alert there. But uh, let me give my, well, mm, I got two here that I'm deciding between for my number one pick. 
Well, um, I mean, I, well, there's probably what four that I'm sure right now. There, uh, well, I'm sure I, I know there's one that Mike Mills is like. If he's listening <laughs> to this, his freaking ears are and his head is ready to explode <laughs> because we haven't mentioned him yet. Is it going to be your favorite or two? <laughs> his nails are stuck into his desk at work, just <laughs> all tense, waiting for us to say those magic words. Uh, but it's Should not we just my get favorite. To it? Should we just? <laughs> I guess we should. Of course, we're talking about the Varsity Club. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> of no, course. we're talking about the four horsemen. Uh, of course, we're talking about the four horsemen. You can't talk about pro wrestling factions without talking about the four horsemen. Now, again, we're talking about favorites. They, they were never a favorite of mine because I, I largely, um, I did not watch you know in the NWA and I did not watch WCW uh, a lot. I was obviously familiar with it. I've become more familiar with it as time went on, and I recognize how tremendous the, the four horsemen were but not one of my favorites uh, of all time because i you know at the time when i was falling madly in love with pro wrestling i i didn't have a ton of exposure to um the four horsemen yeah I and mean, i didn't like it they weren't my favorites because they were uh, you know dastardly bad guys <laughs> but what do you think about um the wwe version of the four horsemen that they did you know in the mid early 2000s i'm not sure how to say mid 2000s for you know from from 2000 to 2009 what about evolution evolution was it was was a great faction i mean if you're looking at the if you're looking for the magnitude of the of the members of the group just all, all four guys are just i mean you got flair triple h batista and randy orton flair's a two-time hall of famer and Triple H probably could be a three-time Hall of Famer by the time it's done, and the, the other two will certainly go in. So the magnitude of the group, and the other two were both, well, Batista not so much young maybe in age as Randy Orton was, but young in his career, and I mean, definitely just a uh, humongous impact on, on pro wrestling. Okay, Brian, let me hear your number one pick. Who, what, who, what people form your favorite wrestling faction ever? <laughs> Are you sure you want to let me go right now, Mike? Yeah, because I got I got I got to narrow it down between like t- I thought it was two, and now it's like three or four I'm seeing uh, here. So why don't you give give me a one, and maybe that will knock one off my list. All right. Well, Mike, I'm gonna go a little outside the box here, so I'm not sure I'm gonna knock one off your list. And remember, these are our favorite pro wrestling factions of all time. I'm gonna talk about a group that ran amok in chaotic wrestling, Mike. Oh, my God. Led by, uh, no doubt, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Just a fantastic group of guys and, and a gal who ran the show both behind the scenes and, uh, and in front of the uh, fans. They own championships, Mike. You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about big business, Mike. You got, <laughs> you got Cherry Payne. You got Max Bauer, you got the Golden Greek Alex Arion, and the centerpiece, the franchise, the crown jewel, the heavyweight champion, the kingpin Brian Malonis himself, my favorite pro wrestling faction of all time, Mike. How can you top that? You can't. Uh, What's your your second favorite then? (laughs) Christ's sake. (laughs) All right, all right. Well, Mike, a little later on, there was another faction in chaotic wrestling. Oh, come on. Some young guys that were hungry and they needed a leader. 
<laughs> and no. this guy just came along and he took these guys and they, they oh we need we need a mastermind behind it too and I brought I brought somebody in from the outside Mike of course I'm talking about the Empire you had Scott Reed <laughs> you had Sledge you had Sean Gorman and you had the champ himself the Kingpin Brian Malonis third My favorite third favorite <laughs> well Mike this one uh, this one's real special I got to tell you because it was it was led by a guy who is a legend in the pro wrestling business Ox Baker himself. Of course, I'm talking <laughs> okay. about Ox okay. Baker's <laughs> army. All right. Enough. <laughs> Enough of you. Holy fuck. <laughs> I was really hoping you'd get to something serious, but it's not All happening, right. is it? All right. I'll go with serious here. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it's a little, it's a little uh, reflective. Um, I really did enjoy it during the time, and that was, of course, uh, the NWO. I think the NWO is... And I don't. I don't mean once it got watered down because it, it reached uh, just absurd levels. <laughs> at, just a ring time. of thirty-seven people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the original, uh, you know, the original three, and then when they were just when they were just kind of adding guys here and there, and you never knew who was going to either flip or who was going to debut. Uh, the NWO just well, it was tremendous. Maybe one one of the greatest storylines in pro wrestling history. Uh, certainly one of the greatest factions, Mike. And uh, I took an oath a long time ago, Mike, and that's if you're in WO, you're in WO for life. For life. life. <laughs> oh, brother. Um, well, Brian, you didn't knock one off my list. I did not have the NWO I didn't. on my list, no. Oh, my uh, God. But, but I got three here that I'm really having a hard time with. Jeez, um, do, you got, do you got two words for me? <laughs> I don't. Um, but uh, let me just say the Nation of Domination. That's that's one that I think uh, wow. w- was really cool when it first started with PG-13 doing the song. And well, how'd Farouk. that song go, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> we are the nation, live and in color. Don't diss the man or a bum Russian mother. This is what I'm saying. It's real, not playing. Farouk is the man to hit your knees and stop praying. Wow. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. But that's not my pick, Brian. Uh, and I, I'm between these two, it's really hard. Uh, so I'll say first runner-up, The Shield, which okay. in this day and age, to be booked that perfectly as a faction is really, really uh, hard to come by. They were strong. They didn't, uh, you know, they didn't take any shit from nobody. And they really, really, really uh, were like protected to the max. And yeah, fucking a, they were. Yeah. It shows what happens when you actually protect somebody and let them and let them win. <laughs> like, yeah, and not do the fifty-fifty stuff where they they can really get over. Yeah, and this is where, of course, Roman Reigns became the favorite because he was a strong, silent type. Then they had him uh, spouting nursery rhymes, and things took a turn for the worse. But the Shield was uh, excellent, 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 especially in you know the current modern day wrestling to have that just the that perfect uh, booking was amazing and uh you know i don't know if they'll get back there again someday oh i think i think they're gonna sh- come on they're all three are on the raw brand and baby faces <laughs> so you never know brian it's inevitable <laughs> but uh that is a very close second to my number one pick brian which is a group that really um it changed the face of 
WWE. It changed the face of Raw. It was a huge story. Four guys coming straight from WCW onto WWF TV. And that was Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit, the Radicals. Mike, I'm, un- I'm uncomfortable with you talking about this. <laughs> I know you're, you're giving me a hard time because I said I was uncomfortable <laughs> talking about Chris Benoit back in the day. But uh, we'll, we'll just refer to them as the Radicals in total. All right? Uh, but, yeah, just the, the significance of four guys who were um, – doing very well in WCW for them to hop right directly onto WWF TV was unprecedented at the time. And they, that I just remember that, uh, I think it was an 10 man tag that they had, like maybe their second week in that was so heated and so amazing. It was, uh, I don't know, just and it created all these new feuds, all these new matches. Eddie and Chris Benoit went on to do great things, and it it, it all started with the Radicals. And I think that is, uh, I'm going to say, it's my favorite wrestling faction of all time. Wow, it was really the really the death knell for the it was the final nail in the coffin for for WCW. I think. I mean, it was already going that way anyways. But when you take uh, four guys of that level and just Give them to the competition. It's well, it's uh, sayonara. Yeah, <laughs> it was a uh, yeah. This historical significance there is uh, it that puts it over the top for me over, over the shield in terms of uh, the favorite wrestling faction. Yeah, it's it's one a lot of people probably don't talk about because of obviously the uncomfortable situation of Chris Benoit and, and um, Eddie Guerrero passing away tragically young. And then and if you look at it, he hasn't passed away, but Perry Saturn, current situation, just... Uh, so it's the, it's one that probably gets overlooked, but yeah, when they first came in, man, it was... Yeah, it was really something. It was, it was really the last uh, of probably being excited for guys jumping ship, too, because I don't know how plausible that situation is currently with the current wrestling landscape, and I don't remember really any after that where it was like, oh my God, this guy jumped. Well, how about DDP uh, being the stalker? <laughs> no? Right. Well, you know, ranks, rank, ranks pretty, you know, pretty close up there, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's my pick, Brian. And uh, what is your favorite wrestling faction out there? Let us know at the WPAN on Twitter, facebook.com slash the WPAN. Share with us your favorite wrestling factions. I know you missed some. I have a list of like, 12 or 15 here. I didn't get to all of them. I'm sure. Well, yeah, I mean, we left DX off. I mean. <laughs> well, I, I, I mentioned them. I did mention DX. But the greatest wrestling factions, the favorite wrestling factions, your personal favorite wrestling faction, let us know on Twitter at the WPAN. All right. So those are our favorite wrestling factions. You knew Kingpin was going to put himself over. It was the Kingpin back then. It's the brawler now. Well, might be the Kingpin again sooner or later if he saw a recent tweet a very mysterious tweet from Brian Malonis. And, uh, you know, he doesn't seem to want me to put a lot of stock into his social media dealings, but he should stop being so very mysterious on Twitter and Facebook if he doesn't want me to jump to certain conclusions. Anyway, uh, yeah, so the Kingpin puts himself over uh, big business and all of his various factions, the Empire and all that stuff. Also, the NWO and, of course, my number one, Something of a uh, undersold faction being the Radicals coming over from WCW, which was just an absolutely huge story at the time. Uh, you guys out there, you have your own, I'm sure. Let us know 
at the WPAN, your favorite wrestling factions. Before we get to the least favorite or the worst overall wrestling factions, let us know on Twitter your favorite, your least favorite, your worst, your best. Use the hashtag WPAN. Of course, our Twitter is at the WPAN. We're also the WPAN on Facebook. Just look up Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Or you can call the voicemail line. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. And we're going to get to the worst wrestling factions. But first, let's talk about one of the best wrestling podcasts. It is the unprofessional wrestling podcast known as Booking the Territory with Mike Mills, Harbody Harper, and Doc Turner. They do two podcasts a week, Sundays and Thursdays, just like we used to do two podcasts a week. But they're still going strong with the Smoky Mountain Show on Sundays and the old uh, flagship show featuring World Championship Wrestling, the old Saturday Night 605 show on Thursdays. MikeMills.Podbean.com for Booking the Territory, a fantastic show. Make sure to check that out. And Mike Mills, you owe me for that ringing endorsement. Our Vantage Point, speaking of endorsements, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I love OVP, and you will too if you give it a shot. Check out Our Vantage Point. Take the OVP Challenge. Just listen to the first 10 or 15 minutes, and if you don't want to just plant a big wet kiss on Joe Rada's lips, then uh, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. Uh, maybe something wrong with me, but uh, that's beside the point. OVPpodcast.com is the website for all the information and the links for our vantage point. Greetings from Allentown is another fantastic, absolutely tremendous podcast with PW. Peter Winson, he's a local boy right here from Massachusetts. Make sure to support him. He talks about one single episode of wrestling television and breaks it down to single atoms. That's how deep he goes with greetings from Allentown. Subscribe to his uh, lovely podcast over there on his own feed. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Network. They're talking about every single wrestling show, just about, I think. Did they talk about NWA? We'll find out. Actually, go to rundownwrestling.com. You can find out for yourself and get all the information you need on the Rundown Wrestling Network. All right, we're going back to 2017 for more on Wrestling Factions. It is the worst wrestling factions. And our friend, our good friend, a listener of the podcast, Randall Keogh, at Randall Keogh on Twitter, he said, the three faces of fear from WCW. They were not even pushed. They never beat anybody. Of course, uh, <laughs> they kind of came together. It was Kevin Sullivan. It was The Butcher. Of course, one of the many gimmicks of Brutus Beefcake we've discussed before here on the podcast. And Avalanche, the former Earthquake. So they came together <laughs> to try to rid the world of Hulk Hogan and uh, did absolutely terribly. Yeah, Kevin Sullivan had a big problem with Hulk Hogan, didn't he? He sure did. I, I won't steal your thunder of what I'm sure is coming in a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think maybe Kevin Sullivan was upset that uh, Hogan came in with the red and yellow and he was trying to do the uh, red and yellow Taskmaster thing. Was that it? He was probably mad because he was the booker and Hogan came in with creative control. <laughs> and all of his cronies and pals, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yes, thank you, Randall, for your thoughts. We have, I mean, I have on my list a number of teams, but... Uh, We'll kind of lead up to our, our number one picks for the worst wrestling faction. Uh, what's something else that made your list, Brian? What of your runner-ups? Uh, one of my runner-ups was definitely the Spirit Squad, Mike. Um, 
Oh, come on. They were fantastic. Oh, my God. It was dreadful. It was absolutely dreadful. I thought it was awesome. Um, it's funny. I, I, I've known I've known Ken Doan, as you have, for quite some time. Um, I, I believe he was my first ever pro wrestling feud, but him and Mike Mondo are still doing it today. But I, I think it was... It was awful, and the end of it was, was pretty indicative of just how terrible. I, I, actually, there was a couple of instances of just of how terrible it was. If I remember right, they were the ones that got uh, poop spilled on them. Well, yes, the, them and, and and Shane McMahon as well. I think was yeah, the recipient yeah, of so the they poop. Got poop. They got poop dumped on them, and then uh, and then when they got when they lost and and uh, got eliminated from WWE television, uh, they got put in a box. With a sticker, it's a ship back to OVW, or or maybe it just was Louisville, Kentucky. But I think it might have said actually said OVW on it. I thought it said OVW, but yeah. So that's uh, I, I think the Spirit Squad was terrible. <laughs> Not one of my favorites. I don't think those two things you brought up are indicative of. I, I thought overall it was it could have been an absolute disaster. I thought it was a lot of fun. I loved their finish, which uh, you know it was five guys. They would all grab a part. Of, of a guy on the mat and pick him up and slam him back down. I thought that was a great move for them. I thought... Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you never would have had to take in something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was... I, I just really enjoyed it. They, they, I mean, they didn't have a long run. It was kind of like um, Eugene. They brought him in. They, uh, you know, they really beat him to death and put him on everything, put him over, put him on, on top. They put him against DX for a long time and then it they just kind of you know took them out back and shot them in the head basically with as you mentioned with the uh ovw thing send them all away but i thought it, overall it was i don't know it wouldn't be on my favorites list i mean it obviously wasn't last week on the podcast but i don't think i'd put it as my worst wrestling factions brian well, lucky for you, this is my list and not yours. <laughs> all right. If we're talking about factions, we have to go back to the period of time where it was all about factions in WWE, uh, like around 1996 or 97 or so, where all these groups popped up at the same time. Of course, it was the one of the originals in that time period anyway was the Nation of Domination, and Crush was in there at one point, and then he left and formed his own stable, which was the Disciples of Apocalypse, Crush, <laughs> Chains, Skull, and Eight Ball, and not a decent worker among them. <laughs> I mean, uh, Brian, wow. Lee, Brian Lee was probably you know the closest that they came, but. Uh, just not great at all, and the you know the whole biker thing uh, didn't connect. And of course, they feuded with another uh, faction of the time, Los Bariquas, which was Savio Vega, uh, Jesus Castillo, Jose Estrada, and the hairy man Miguel Perez Jr. Well, Mike, let me ask you a question: the ha the Harris brother has has there been has there been a duo that just been around so long and never once got over <laughs> got chance after chance after chance i mean yeah it's like I mean, I mean, their run in professional wrestling was from the early 90s until like a couple years ago in tna it's that whole thing if you have size you'll get as many opportunities as they can i mean these guys yeah they're they're six foot six six foot seven twins 
Uh, so of course they're gonna get, but yeah, they got opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and <laughs> for never freaking twenty plus years. Yeah, and never, re- yeah, never really connected at all. I mean, what about creative control in WCW? Brian was that a good one? Ugh. You don't even remember, you don't even remember <laughs> do you? <laughs> I, I actually don't. Were they, was it was were they with Jeff Jarrett? Yeah, oh, that I don't know. See now you're uh now you're testing me. I know the creative control name, and I know those two guys were a part of it, and it was a whole, it was a Vince Russo. Sounds like a Vince Russo idea. Yes, it certainly was. But uh, back to the Disciples of Apocalypse and Los Bariquas. These two stables feuded for quite a while, and no one, I don't think, cared about any of these guys at all. <laughs> um, as I said, the gang warfare that was going on at the time, there were so many groups, and then there were groups that actually people did end up caring about, like the Heart Foundation and DX, but these two... Yeah, you look back at that run, man. There's, there's some uncomfortability there. Like, you had the Hispanic group, and then you had, like, the, the bikers, and then you had... Uh, the, yeah, the bi- uh, bikers with questionable tattoos. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then the you know, like Black Pantherish sort of group, which is what the Nation Domination was modeled after. It was like, I, I really think, and I, I don't, I mean, I, I think it's safe to assume that WWE was literally trying to create like a race war on their on their program. Yeah, do you remember the angle with NOD and DX? I don't, no. Where there was, I, I, I mean, I, I wish you did because, because maybe you could help me with this, but it was something to do with... Uh, uh, at the NOD's locker room was spray painted with uh, questionable, you know, not blatantly racist graffiti, but uh, the graffiti that was, yeah, that was in that vein. Were you talking about like the rock version of like the Nation Domination? Because I mean, there's was, there's was the famous promo with DX where the Road Dog and X Pac uh, were in blackface. Yes, yeah, that was. Even at that point, how does this stuff make it past the censors? I mean. And it was replayed time after time. I'm I'm pretty damn sure it wouldn't be replayed anymore. But uh, no, yeah, no. they played that a lot <laughs> back in the day. Okay, let's let's move on from all this uh, this gang warfare. What do you got? Uh, what else do you got on your on your short list here for worst wrestling factions? Should I steal your thunder, Mike? Just go for it. Yeah. No, I won't do that to you. Uh, one of the ones I, I I came up with was actually a, a fairly recent group, Mike. You wouldn't know because you you don't watch professional wrestling anymore, <laughs> and you have you haven't for the last ten years. Check probably. out this past Monday. Check out this Monday's <laughs> NAI Network episode for more on that. But uh, the Social Outcast. It's it's actually something I thought that had potential, but it just it didn't go anywhere, uh, and then ultimately. Adam Rose was fired, and that was kind of the end of it. Uh, it, was, it was Adam Rose, Curtis Axel, Heath Slater, and Bo Dallas. Yeah, there's really not much to say. I can't think of one highlight for well, the no, run. No, I mean they're, they're, the first couple promos were, were were fairly good. Like I thought, I thought it was like, it was pretty intriguing that you had these four kind of guys that have been forgotten about, and I, I don't know. I think it could have I think it could have been, been something, but it it, it literally was nothing. Yeah, I guess we better just move on because there really is not much to say about this team. <laughs> no, there's not one truly memorable moment whatsoever. None, none whatsoever. Yes, none at all. If you come up with a, a highlight for the social outcasts, let us know at the WPAN on Twitter because <laughs> we are at a loss. Um, you mentioned the Road Dog a couple minutes ago. Let me just bring this one up. It's a TNA one that. Uh, we have a, a not a really a connection to, but a modified connection to uh, Kingpin. What about 
Road Dog, known as BG James in TNA, and Billy Gunn, known as Kip James in TNA, when they were the Voodoo Kin Mafia. Well, you're for, you're forgetting a member. Yes, that's, that's that's what I was getting at. Uh, well, <laughs> she came a little bit later, but of course the Voodoo Kin Mafia. Do you mean VKM? Yes, get it. It is the initials of one Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Very clever. So yes, and uh, as you were alluding to, the third member, Brian, of course, Roxy Laveau. Yes, Nikki Rocks from the New England Independence went to TNA and uh, became a member of the Voodoo Kin Mafia. I mean, it's, it was great for her to uh, get national exposure, but in this uh, this strangely named group which really didn't have a connection to voodoo from from what i understand until until roxy was a voodoo queen but uh i guess she kind of brought it all together she completed the package but before that they're just the voodoo kin mafia in name alone so yeah then only because it spelled out the initials uh, vkm so wasn't that cool <laughs> get any more kingpin <laughs> you know this one's straight this is what this is especially for uh, for mike mills uh mm. <laughs> here we you go. remember mike this is like early 90s stuff there was an nwa faction in the wwf well no it wasn't a faction brian it was a different company they were invading no, it, it was a faction <laughs> did they not work together <laughs> like at different times yeah, it was yeah the when the NWA it was uh, I think it all started with Jim Cornette he was doing these promos he was putting down uh, what was going on with the Attitude Era and all this stuff and then it just evolved into I'm gonna do something about it and he brought back the NWA <laughs> proof that Jim Cornette has not liked anything since 1989 <laughs> professional <laughs> wrestling <laughs> yeah it was it was it was what Jeff Jarrett uh, I think. Dan Severn was part of it. I think Dan Severn might have been like the NWA World Heavyweight Champion at the time. Yes, and they gave Jeff Jarrett the NWA North American Championship. The, the Rock and Roll Express. Yes, they even brought back Tommy Young, the referee from the uh, Jim Crockett days. <laughs> and then do you remember their names, Mike? What's that? The, the new Midnight Express. Was that Bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart, or was it the yeah, other way around? You got it, buddy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, personally, my favorite... Uh, Incarnation of the Midnight Express. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> <laughs> For somebody who doesn't know anything about the South, right, Mike Mills? Hey, more people probably saw them wrestle than saw the, oh, mid- the no. real Midnight's wrestle. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm getting to it right here, Brian. The worst team with the best music. Can, can you guess? I don't know. <laughs> Everyone come see the greatest show. Gather oh, up geez. all juggalos and rove. Come on, the oddities. <laughs> the jackals. See now, this is my like. I don't think they were that bad. The oddities. Giant Silva, Kurgan, Golga, who was uh, the aforementioned Avalanche, aka Earthquake. Uh, Princess Luna, you had the ICP in there. It's, you know, Mike, they sang the song, of course. Tell me when this was around. You wouldn't have liked to have, uh, you know, spent a, spent a night with Luna Vachon. <laughs> come on. Oh, come on. She, she uh, did look very nice in her prom dresses. 
I'll give you that much. And George Steele at one point was there, and Sable was a part of the oddities at one point. Yes, she was. I try to fight. I mean, the I guess the odd thing about here is the oddly shaped breasts. Is that the was that the thing about Sable? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if, if, if you listen to Don Callis, it would have been the the biggest thing in the world had they kept him around for it. Right, right, right. But uh, yeah, he that was his brainchild. The actually the parade of human oddities at the beginning, and we had a promo about nothing quite a while back on the uh, on the Monday podcast with uh, the Jackal and some members of the Howard Stern show, the original members of the oddities. And that was uh, that was something. That was uh, <laughs> one of the most terrible moments in the Attitude Era. And uh, if you go listen to Brian Fury, there were quite a few. So if uh, if, you, if you're able to find a, a notable terrible moment in the Attitude Era, then that's something. So, yes, that was one of them. The Oddities, Brian. Uh, you got anything else before we get to our number ones? Yeah, I got one more that I, that okay. I want to mention here, and that that's the Misfits in Action. Oh. Alright, let's listen Let's listen to these names, okay? Uh, okay, let me get my laughing hat on. <laughs> you got... And see, and see if you... Mike, what I want, I'm, I'm going to say the name, then I want you to tell us who, who it really is. Okay. You got G.I. Bro... That's the one and only Booker T. Thank you. Lieutenant Loco. Uh, that's um, Chavo? It was. Corporal Cajun. Uh, the guy with the uh, the L's on his uh, sideburns. Lash uh, LaRue. Yes, Lash LaRue. Major Stash. Um, Van Hammer. Yes. Sergeant AWOL. I don't, I've never heard of that one. The Wall? And here, here okay. it is, Mike. Get ready. Do you got your laughing hat on? I, I, I do. It. It's it's strapped in tight. Are you feeling it's all silly? tied up. Yes. All right. General Hugh G. Rection. <laughs> Mike, do you, do you find that humorous? I've had humorous. Yes, I do. It's no that laughing is, matter. Yes. And a... Uh, 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 a note on this, Major Stash, I remember back in the day in the newsletters, there was some controversy because Van Hammer refused to use the original name they gave for him, which was Private Stash, because that wasn't a high enough, uh, high enough rank. <laughs> Not getting that the, the joke is Private Stash, so he became Major Stash. <laughs> Can you believe? Mike, we don't talk about rumor and innuendo on this podcast. Oh, we 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 don't. We don't. We should have a T-shirt. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, the misfits in action. That's that was. I don't know. Awful. <laughs> okay, let me get one more out before we get to our number one picks. Let's go back to the jackal again. The truth commission. <laughs> Actually, the jackal didn't come in until later. It was originally the commandant was the leader and there was recon there was sniper there was tank and there was the interrogator the interrogator was kurgan who would go on to of course be in the oddities and all that stuff <laughs> the most successful member of the uh of the truth commission yeah the and they were all like i guess south african um military men I don't really sure <laughs> know what that's all about. But, this is another uh, one where it's like, name me a memorable Truth Commission moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing until the Jackal came around, and the ja- of course the Jackal started, and you know they're all military men with their hair cropped close, and he comes out with you know long hair. It's like what what's going on here? But uh, okay, 
I'll go first, Brian. <laughs> You're worried I'm going to take your... Uh... Yes. I'm not going to take yours. Don't worry. All right. You know what it is, Brian. I know I, where I, you're going. <laughs> okay. It is the the group that kind of came from the three faces of fear. Uh, once Hulk Hogan made his presence known, three just wasn't enough. Three became dozens as uh, Kevin Sullivan and King Curtis Iakea really uh, formed this group, brought them all together. We've done promos about nothing on them. We've done heel laugh Hall of Fame segments. It was the Dungeon of Doom. Of course, cast of thousands, as I mentioned, and none of them could take down the immortal Hulk Hogan. You had uh, the Shark. You had Kamala. There's Hugh Morris, the later Hugh Erection. Um, the way you say that, it sounds dirty. I, I don't understand. Oh, my goodness. Um, who else? You had the Zodiac. Uh, countless others. The countless giant. Others. Oh, yes. The Giant. That's where he first made his presence known. The later the big show. But the Dungeon of Doom, the silly, silly, hokey vignettes to introduce them. The father, <laughs> father, <laughs> father. Let me tell you, father, and that just Boston the, accent. <laughs> they were just completely neutered from day one. Had no pop, no zip, no nothing. They just one by one were mowed down by the Hulkster. Were, weren't they part of like a larger faction with like the Four Horsemen and like maybe some some other group of like the coalition to eliminate Hulk Hogan. I think they yeah they all came together for that three cage. And it was like match. that was that's what the, like, that was the name of it though. It wasn't like the coalition to like that that I don't remember. I don't remember, but I remember the three cage match with they where they had to bring in Zeus because <laughs> why wouldn't you? Zeus they didn't bring in Zeus. Oh, cute. sorry, Z Gangsta. <laughs> Thank you. We have to do a Tarzan hates wrestling with that triple cage match. Well, we got to do so many of those Tarzan uh, hates wrestlings if we can get a hold of them. I, I've actually watched watched that cage match with Tarzan before, and it's it's something <laughs> special. It's glorious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's get to your number one pick, Brian. Let us all know what is your pick for worst wrestling faction. This is going to come as a bit of a shock. Uh-oh. The, the the worst faction of all time. You knock me on my ass here with this one? Maybe. Okay. Also happened to be my favorite faction of all time. What? And that's the NWO. But hear me out on this. Wait, right? you just said the NWO was your favorite last week. They were. They are. They were. But just, just hear me out on this, though, because what I'm kind of honing in on are the later years of the NWO where it was just completely watered down. And, I mean, it, originally the NWO was supposed to be this, this who's who, and it became of who the hell is this guy? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, just some of the names here, Mike. Let me throw some of the random, the random names uh, at you here. Horace Hogan. That's not random. Well, uh, Stevie Ray. Mm-hmm. Barry Windham. He was in the NWO? He was. He was part of the NWO B team. Wait, he was in the NWO and the NWA. There you go. Amazing. Two great factions. 
the Disco Inferno. Well, he, wasn't he like saying he was in the NWO, but he really wasn't? Wasn't that the deal with him? I don't, I don't know. It's, he's listed as an official member of the NWO. David Flair. He was? Yeah. Vincent. Mike Jones, you mean? Curly Bill? Jeff Jarrett. Yes, he was in the uh, when they brought the band back together. Yes, Bret Hart. Okay, yes. Mark Johnson, a referee. Yeah, what what about uh, Nick Patrick? Nick Patrick. You got to let me get there, buddy. Okay, the original NWO referee. And maybe maybe the 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 key component of any terrible faction, the Crown Jewel. Yes. The Harris brothers, Ron and Don <laughs> Harris. So, Mike, as you can see, the early versions of the NWO, every reason in the world to be my favorite, but what it became, uh, I think, is every reason why it can also be considered the worst faction in pro wrestling history. Yeah, it, w- it went on a, a little bit too long. The uh, new, new, new world order. But I, I, Mike, I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure we were members of the New World Order, and we <laughs> and we just didn't, didn't realize it. <laughs> we were druids, and we were members of the NWO. I, you know, it, it's funny how many guys could probably just get themselves booked as as a former member of the NWO. I remember when I first started doing, you know, the Independence. That that was Virgil's gig on the on the Indies. He would he would wrestle in his NWO gear, <laughs> wrestling NWO t shirt. He's still on the circuit today. I don't know if he's getting paid, but making that uh, fuck money. Yes, one eight by ten at a time. One eight by ten at a time. Uh, all right, so that, those are our picks: the worst wrestling factions. I don't know what Mike Mills thought back in 2017, or what he's going to think today that both of our worst factions of all time were WCW factions, factions from south of the Mason Dixon line. With mine being, of course, the Dungeon of Doom, and uh, surprise from the brawler Brian Melodis picking the NWO again. For his worst faction as well as his best faction. So that was a bit kooky of the Kingpin with his pick for the NWO. Let us know what you think. Once again, at the WPAN on Twitter, hashtag WPAN. Your favorite faction, your worst wrestling faction. We want to know. And it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, Brian Malonis is hitting the highways, byways, and airways. Crisscrossing the screen, of ours, plying his trade as a professional wrestler. And it is the 13th. Friday night, December 13th, final battle coming to you from Baltimore. And if you can't be there in person, go on Honor Club, order Honor Club, watch the show live, or order it on traditional pay-per-view. That is Final Battle 2019, the biggest show on the Ring of Honor calendar. And Brian Malonis, I don't know if he'll be on the card. He says he will be there. So check out on December 13th, a week from this Friday, that is the biggest ROH show of the year, final battle. And then two days later on the 15th, he returns to the former ECW arena for television tapings. That is final battle fallout that is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on Sunday, December 15th. And as for Brian Fury, wrapping up his 2019 with a show up against final battle. If you can't get to Baltimore. If you don't have Honor Club, if you don't want to watch Ring of Honor on pay-per-view, head out to Hudson, Massachusetts as Chaotic Wrestling makes its big return to the Hudson Elks and that is on Friday night, December the 13th and just announced Brian Fury returns to the ring. Yes, for this, what, 
third or fourth go-round since his retirement, and he will be going one-on-one with Josh Briggs for the first time ever in a chaotic wrestling ring, for the first time anywhere, actually, and it is happening at the Hudson Elks. That is Friday night, December 13th. Go to chaoticwrestling.com for tickets and full card information for that big show. The big return to Hudson for chaotic wrestling. All right, it is classic promo about nothing time. We get a good one for you. Check it out. Brian, the year 1997. This is our first promo from Japan. But don't be scared, Brian. It is in English. It is from the promotion known as War. Do you know what War stands for? Um, I have, I have no idea. <laughs> well, it originally stood for Wrestling and Romance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's 100% shoot. Wrestling and Romance. It later was Wrestling Association R. Just the letter, because I guess they couldn't come up with a word that <laughs> went. So it was Wrestling Association R. But anyway. Like, like uh, a pirate R? Yeah, I think so. But uh, that was the promotion. And the man we're going to hear from is a man who rarely spoke, if ever, in the United States. And you'll see why after this. Uh, he is the uh, madman from the Sudan. This is Abdullah the butcher I'm not worrying about these other little gorillas I am only worrying about Tenyu me and my partner Gocho is going to beat the living shit out of Tenyu I've been chasing Tenyu for many many years now I finally got the chance to come to Japan and fight Tenyu. He's not hungry no more, but I'm here to beat him up. I'm going to beat him up with my fork, with my fist, and I have something beautiful for Tenyu. Uh, He never felt the fork, but he's going to feel it. I'm going to make sure that this keeps going into his head, into his back, into his stomach. I'm going to shove it all the way up his ass. Tell you, come after me. I'm coming for you. I dream about you. I can't sleep at nights, but I'm coming, Tenyu. I'm here in Japan now, Tenyu. Tenyu, I'm not worried about these other little people who you got around you. I'm going to stop you, Tenyu. I'm going to stop you. Ten years ago, you made a statement. I have never forgot the statement which you made. I remember you in Atlanta, Georgia, when you were hungry. You didn't beat me then, and you're not going to beat me now. Come on, Tenu. Taste it. Taste the fork. Which is eating you now. Come on, Tenu. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Unbelievable. So what's this guy's name again, Brian? Tenyu? <laughs> no, actually it isn't, Brian. <laughs> the, it's not? The man's <laughs> name is Genikairo Tenru. And <laughs> and he's actually the owner of the promotion. So I don't understand <laughs> how he can call him Tenyu for 50,000 times. I think he's uh, heeding the words of Vince McMahon. Pronouns, pal. He just calls him Tenyu. 
through the entire thing. <laughs> I don't think he uses one pronoun. He's going to uh, shove the fork up his ass? <laughs> All the way up his ass, Brian. <laughs> he's, uh, he's dreaming about him, but he can't sleep at night, so I'm not sure how that works exactly. <laughs> he is going to beat the shit out of him, though. <laughs> he is. He doesn't care about the other gorillas. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Do you understand now why he was the uh, strong, silent type yes, in WCW that, uh, and everywhere else? That hit me in the right place, Mike, that promo. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. Uh, he, he remembers in Atlanta, Georgia, he was hungry. I thought he was going to start talking about how he uh, refused him service at Abdullah's House of Ribs and Chinese Food. Because uh, <laughs> I think that's where it was, in Atlanta. So <laughs> I thought it was going one direction and boom, went the other direction on me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was something special, buddy. That was something <laughs> special. Very clear why Abdullah the Butcher always had a mouthpiece. It was That was a gem, if I do say so myself. <laughs> You're going to taste the fork. You have to watch the video, folks. You have to go and see the video of him like, using the fork as a fork. <laughs> well, first he said he's going to hit him with his fork. He's going to hit him with his fist. And he's going to hit him with his fork again, apparently. <laughs> yeah, you have to go and see the video. Find the link to the video in the description of this episode on the NAI Network. Really happy with that one, Brian. It's uh, very rare. It's a hidden gem. It's very rare. <laughs> it is very rare. And uh, yes, that is your promo about nothing, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Also, you can find that link at the WPAN.com if you want to see Abdullah the Butcher cut a promo. I mean, you heard him, but if you want to see him, check it out in the description or at the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. And we'll be back here next Monday. I promise the three of us will be together again for episode 189 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, for Brian Malonis, for Brian Fury, I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing. Nothing.